Welcome to Politics on the Prairies, a podcast about politics in Western Canada. I'm your host, Ryan Cattell, and I'm tired of the idea that politics should be off-limits. Also, my friends are tired of me talking politics at parties, so I decided to start a podcast where I interview politicians, entrepreneurs, and anyone else with something to say. The goal is to create a dialogue across parties and hopefully get people thinking about who they're voting for and why it's important. There may even be some good old-fashioned debate. If you want to be part of the conversation, join us on Politics on the Prairies. Well, everyone, uh, I'm here with Michael. Michael was raised on a farm in Saskatchewan, but spent roughly 30 years in Calgary during the infamous Klein years. Um, those years brought boons and busts and assault-of-the-earth-style politics that we see remnants of still today. Michael's going to talk about his experience living in King Ralph's kingdom. And so that was a time uh, between 1980 to 1990 when Ralph was uh, mayor. And then after that, he was uh, premier from 1992 to 2006. So a long stretch of Ralph Klein, and uh, Michael was there for most of that. So Mike's, Michael, thanks for coming by. Hi. Um, so you, as a kid, you know, you said you were roughly 15 or 16 when you moved to Calgary. Ralph Klein was just becoming mayor. Can you tell me about your experience at that time and, and some things that you remember about him specifically? Uh, he was a lot more laid back in the early years, of course, as a mayor in that. He was always known for drinking at the Louis Hotel. At the Louis Hotel? At the Louis, yeah. You know, and that's where all the, basically a watering hole for every type of person you could imagine. But it was located right in behind City Hall, so it was really convenient, right? <laughs> so it was a few steps away, and it was downtown. And it was downtown, and always open at lunchtime, right? You know, oh, so. <laughs> so it, was a, it was a lunchtime thing, too. Oh, yeah, because as we all know, in the later years, Ralph did get known for being an alcoholic as well, right? Okay. You know. But yeah, the early years, he was great. And that, I mean, Calgary kept growing. There was constant people moving. Of course, you know, the boom was uh, starting to begin then. And that because right. Calgary had just come out of a, a bust in the late 70s, right? Right, 70s. And I think yeah. there was a peak oil acting like 1981 or something yeah. like that. You know, so the province was experiencing a certain amount of cash flow, definitely. Not like what they did in the latter years as the price of barrel went even higher than anyone ever expected and stuff. Mm-hmm. So the early years were great. It was uh, bustly. It reminded me so much of Saskatchewan because the majority of Saskatchewan lived in Calgary. And pretty much every second or third person you'd talk to who would, you know, where are you from? Well, some part of Saskatchewan. And that's so it was a common joke and that that you know it, it, everyone was from here so people were going there to pick up work yeah there was so many jobs anything and that service industry work and then of course being an oil and gas uh, province not you had all your uh, uh, engineers and geologists and mm-hmm. geophysicists and lawyers of course corporate lawyers so it, there were jobs for every uh, type of occupation which was the attraction so not only did you have the jobs in the oil and gas but you had all the industry that serviced them. Completely. So you had extra restaurants, you had extra money to spend at restaurants, yeah. you had yeah. just surplus everything. Yeah. And of course, you know, that was, you know, restaurants and the pricing of everything too was way different than what it is today, right? You know, you could still go out and get a breakfast for four ninety five, though the wages were high. Right. You know, so it made uh, going out uh, amazing. Just made sense. That. Completely. I mean, drinks in a bar, two bucks. You know, you could get doubles for two fifty. Yeah. And so really, you know, yet you were earning a really high income. 
mm-hmm. and that, yeah. And so that's so, what they mean when they say wages have remained somewhat stagnant. Yeah. But the cost of living has gone But up. the cost of living has changed because pretty much most people make similar wages to what they were making back then. Yet the cost of living has completely changed. So groceries weren't a pinch in, in Alberta at that Never. time? Never. No. no, nothing was a pinch in Alberta. <laughs> <laughs> uh, amazing. So do you think that Ralph Klein being mayor... Um, do you think he did a, a good job in your eyes? Overall. As a teenager? Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, I mean, no one's going to be perfect, right? Right. You know, so, but uh, he did more good for the city than he did bad. Okay. Everyone does some negative things, you know. It's just what it is. There's no politician that's ever going to please the population 100% of the time. But overall, I mean, he got elected, you know, two terms. I mean, he was yeah. in there for 10 years. Right. He clearly was doing something, right? He got re-elected in 83 and then yeah. re-elected again in, in 86 yeah. or something like that. You know, so overall, you know, if you've still got that many people going, okay, yeah. Yeah, you're making we'll just put a up. statistical argument. Yeah. It's probably a good mayor. Yeah. You know, did he get everything done? No, but there's yeah. only so much money as well. But he didn't leave the city broke either. Mm-hmm. And that, which, you know, is really what he's known for right through all the, even into his premier years, right? Taking over uh, empty coffers and and then also having the National Energy Program come out shortly after he was elected, which then is revenue sharing with the federal government. You know, so there was a lot of uh, things stacked against him very quickly. Mm. And that. So it wouldn't be fair to say that anyone could be a good mayor under those conditions at the time? No. Well, mayor, no. I mean, in... Could someone have done more? Maybe, but they would have cut in other areas. Yeah. So it's a matter of what areas do you support and yeah. that, right? Yeah. You know, and then of course, so many always will overspend, you know, counting on next year's budget. Mm-hmm. But that's going to come down, right? And was, was Ralph Klein at that time, do you know if he was an ind- independent or was he a conservative mayor? Did he run as a conservative? Did he run as an independent? His politics never really came up as much that I remember while he was yeah. a mayor. It's not as and important that, for city mayor, yeah. it seems like, huh? You know, he just, you know, he seemed to, you know, have lots of public, uh, uh, he was in the public all the time, and mm-hmm. I don't ever remember anything, uh, you know, about him being, leaning any one direction at any one time mm-hmm. and that. And I think that still, got, you know, it all goes back to him being a journalist and on TV and drinking in the Louis where you have your underprivileged people. So it made him a little more of a humble kind of guy, mm. which didn't always work with the corporate world, though. Right, right. right. You know, because, he, you know, he still had a heart, though, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, though so not everyone would agree with me on that, but that's you know. <laughs> okay. um, so did he do DT recollection? I know he would have been a teenager, yeah. a, uh, a younger man at the time, and not probably as interested in city politics. <laughs> not as much. At no, that do point. you remember anything? Uh... <laughs> the legal age of eighteen was always good. <laughs> <laughs> so do you remember anything in particular that he did as city mayor that makes him stand out as a good mayor for you? Like, is there one thing, or he just didn't burn the city down? Is, is yeah, I'll go with that, because I don't remember yeah. any one thing. I guess maybe the hosting of the 88 Olympics. I mean, that went off amazing. Yeah. You know, yeah. 
and, and and they actually weren't broke when it was finished, mm. like so many cities. Right. You know, so it was them being mayor at that point, and that the city hosted an amazing Olympics, and that you know the uh, attitude of the population, um, just it was a party city through yeah. the Olympics the entire time. It was amazing. So you know, I'd say that you know, okay. you know organizing getting that to actually come to the city and actually not leaving the city broke after it was done broke or burned down or right. full of garbage or whatever well, that else. was you know following a lot of the olympics and that uh, the the cities are always left completely broken mm. debt everything goes over budget you know extra the security policing everything right you know but he managed to maintain where yeah and and the city actually came out okay so was he was he mayor in the or rather, was he mayor when the Calgary Stampede was at the height of its infamy? Well, mayor and premier. Right. <laughs> Both, because yes, the Stampede right from, yeah, I just remembered it, it was always, it just got bigger, because of course when I first got there, population was only half a million, so it's only so big. Population of Calgary when you first got yeah, there was half, half a million. million. You know, okay. so as a group, the, the Stampede just got even more crazy. Yeah. I mean, to the point where uh, downtown shut down for 10 days. Right. Literally. And that this, there were breakfasts on every corner, every oil and gas company was had someone flipping pancakes and sausages. And it was just, it was like you've gone to uh, a ranch. And oh, basically straw bales and corrals and everywhere, just everywhere. Everyone got right into the mood. So all of the corporate world was pretty hammered by noon. And they were you know? and, and they were subsidizing the fun too. Like, and that well, all those breakfasts, of course, everything was paid for by whoever was putting it on, whether it be, you know, Encana, yeah. you know, Husky uh, or any of the, the big companies and that, of course, you know. Yeah. And uh, A, it brings the population down because, of course, the diversity of tourism that took place right. during Stampede because it, it really became a it, at that time it, the whole city partook in the actual Stampede meaning it, it, anywhere you went there were corrals there were straw bales there was yeah. a country and western went to the crazy degree <laughs> and, uh, you know so it was a lot of fun the energy just of the tourism and, and the parties and the food and <laughs> So did it start more? Um, did it start more like kind of woodsy and earthy and really uh, tied to like ranching and that sort of thing, and then become super corporate? Or do you think it always kind of came out the gates as like a corporate? From when I got there, it seemed like it was, it was just, that combo, right? Yeah, the corporate yeah. world was involved right from the start, right? And that's and because it was uh, the stampede. It seemed like it was what I, it was Calgary's identity at the time. That mm -hmm. would be sort of, you know, because everyone came for it. They promoted it globally, right? I mean, growing up in Manitoba, a lot of people would talk about making road trips to go see the Calgary yeah. Stampede uh, yeah. and, and to go to the event, right? Because it was just fun, even off of the grounds. All, everywhere was full of people, yeah. right? Restaurants, mm -hmm. clubs, and, and then they would have uh, great big city blocks that were parking lots, tented off with 10,000 people and then bands playing. It was just every night was a party. Every oh, day wow. was a party for 10 days. And that, 
and something that a lot of people don't know towards the, uh, into the 90s and stuff like that, it was always known that after Stampede, it was the highest amount of divorce rate. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, it's the darker stat. Well, it was a reality, right? <laughs> you get all these people out drunk, the women were dressing in really short little leather minis with leather bus jays, and it was definitely before the Me Too thing. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and then you put that much alcohol in. And, and a lot of alcohol. <laughs> yeah, you mm. know, so yeah, so yeah, it was, uh, I don't know if it still is, because the the party certainly isn't the party it was anymore, and that during the Ralph years it was just zany. I mean, I know that as, it was, it's between five and seven years ago probably, but there was a video circulating the internet, I don't know if you're familiar with it. Uh, video, uh, just not sure. Oh yeah, basically some um, some girl and I believe two guys having a threesome in a back alley at the Calgary Stampede, and oh, yes. uh, there was kind of like a note to the world. Oh yeah, this is still happening out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why the divorce rate. <laughs> uh, <okay>. uh, so. <laughs> So basically, if you lived in Calgary at the time, you're not escaping this, this stampede for those 10 days. Impossible. It's the only way you can escape, it's not it, like you, you have to leave. It. It's there. Yeah, it's there. It's you there. don't even have to go to the grounds. The gotcha. grounds are insanity. Gotcha. And that, you know, an average day of over 100,000 people, right? Yeah. So packed, packed. And then, of course, they had the live stages that were free with bands playing and stuff, you know, in daytime, children, you know, it was child-appropriate entertainment and stuff. And then right. they'd have, you know, different bands in the evening and then of course the rodeo was sold out before it even began and what was the rodeo like what did that entail everything from chuck wagon racing to the you know the uh, barrel uh, racing everything to do with the rodeo so and of course if you're coming from another part of the world and that rodeo isn't something you would have seen you know so of course you'll you know you'll go to the barrel racing and the chuck wagons and stuff Mm -hmm. i can't remember if in the beginning the chariot racing was still happening or when it got banned because I, I do remember being young going to chariot races but I can't remember if the stampede had them it got banned it sounds pretty dangerous yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. A few and too many <laughs> just a little <laughs> yeah okay. yeah gotcha. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 A lot then, of sweeping reforms in the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no. Okay, no. so, yeah, so, yeah. You, so you were basically a part of, of, of the stampede, yeah. whether you liked oh, it yeah. or not, or oh, yeah. that you were there, no. yeah. And then, of course, yeah, Ralph was always in attendance at X number of stampede breakfasts all the time. And yeah. That, you know, it's a, and so were all the other politicians and MLAs and everyone, right? Because it was a time where everyone was going to the breakfast. You had the entire corporate world attending these. And it fit his brand. Completely, yeah, because right. drinking at 7 a.m. Sure. Right. <laughs> it's right. Literally. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so would Moose have done something behind Parliament? Would they have done, like, had bands? Well, no, because it really was a, a, a low-income bar, shall we say, you know. Okay. So okay. I wouldn't necessarily say they would be making any money. They would have thrown up the, the bales and made it look a little more Western, definitely. But no. 
You know, they just didn't have the, the money is, for is that Dino kind of thing. Is Dino Flute still there now? No, it's no. no Can no, you describe no. what it would look like? Um, man, like geez, a, a, um, the Berry Hotel. I mean, <laughs> you know, a seedier part of town because right in behind City Hall was undeveloped, right? Yeah. So, you know, a darker part of town. You had the King Eddie just down the block with the blues. Uh, it was a blues band bar and stuff. You know, so it was that okay. off-color crowd that was always around, you know, the, a few of the working girls, you know, sure. just undesirables yet. You know, you'd have people like Ralph in there drinking. Yeah. You know, yeah, the hotel was old, but yeah, it had its day, right? It's, just like the Berry Hotel here in Saskatoon. At one point, it was a, an amazing hotel that uh, served a much higher class of people than it did when it closed. <laughs> and so... So for, some, for, for any number of politicians, that could go one of two ways. Being caught hanging out there could make you seem seedy or whatever. But for him, yeah. it seemed to have worked, right? Well, because it it's where like he was when he was a journalist. People, right? yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's... that's uh, any other politician wouldn't bother going in because they'd just feel it was a waste of time. And mm-hmm. most people, you know, let's be realistic, turn their nose up to the underprivileged crowd and that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so because Ralph came started as the journalist, it, it was just it was just part of who he was. He just uh, understood people. Right. Yeah. Right. You know. So I read this uh, McLean's article by Colby Kosh, and it seemed to kind of cast Ralph Klein in in a good light. You know, shortly after his death. Um, yeah. And it does say that he was kind of goaded into politics. Um, by uh, an ambitious keg writer named Rod Love. <laughs> Crazy name. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, Rod Love. First name Rod, last name Love. Amazing. Uh. But anyways, this guy got Ralph to, to go into politics. So Ralph wasn't a career politician. He was a No, a I believe that. For, uh, yeah, I, for I guess a number of years before. Well, anyways. Well, and on TV. It. He was a television yeah. news reporter covering yeah. local government. So he had an awareness of local government. Uh, and it, it goes on to say his approach to governing remained that of a reporter, suspicious of power, alert to wastefulness and venality, hyper-aware in a hacky, self-educated way of what economists now call, quote, public choice theory, end quote. Um, and that's scholar talk for how government employees, like any other mammal, will serve their own interests, even if it means ignoring or opposing those of the public. So. Well, that's what made him popular with the average person, right? Mm -hmm. Because when you sit back and look at politics, usually, you know, you're watching people just being greedy, Mm -hmm. things solely going to the corporate world. They don't want you to question anything. It's okay because they're politically correct. Right. Yeah, which made him interesting. Right. Right, because he questioned things and he would, you know, not just hand over to the corporate world. Mm -hmm. You know, so yet enough people love that fact about him, Right. Right. He, had, he really did understand the average individual out there and struggles of the average person, you know, that you don't need to just tax everyone and keep taking everything, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. You see a bit of that in Rob Ford and then later Doug Ford and, and also Donald Trump's politics. Yeah. It's just they took it arguably a little bit too far. Yeah. And they they manipulated yeah. that that style yeah. of politics. Yeah. But they've uh, they're at a different t- 
time in history, though, yeah, and yeah, that as right. well. You know, the globally, uh, the Ralph Klein years, uh, we didn't have the internet like this. We didn't this, have a twenty-four right? hour news. Cycle. Right, you yeah. know, so things were more local as opposed to global. Whereas mm-hmm. now Ford and Trump and everyone's on the world stage, mm-hmm. and, and I do believe the planet itself is in a different time of evolving that some of this whether you like what they're doing or not they are showing us the true greed of the corporate world right in in whatever form that in whatever form that is right you know whether we agree with it or not uh, it certainly has developed a lot more conversation for people who even the opposed right Mm -hmm. you look at the trump style politics and you're appalled yet all that bullshit has been here forever but he's just showing you it Mm-hmm. You know, Clinton would have swept it under the rug and uh, went along. And that's where Klein was great, right? Because he didn't sweep the crap under the rug. He was also known for saying, you know, what he shouldn't say, right. but what everyone was thinking. You know, it's just that back then it was, you know, uh, was it more politically okay? I guess, because he never apologized for anything. <laughs> you know, whereas yeah. now, well, just like Trump nowadays, right? So it's, a, it's a kind of similar on that level. Well, Klein's got this famous quote, um, Eastern creeps and bones. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And that was in 1982. <laughs> uh, it was basically in response to... Uh, there's a wave of there's a housing crisis first of all and then there's a crime wave and, and in that crime wave seventy percent of the city's convenience stores thefts and ninety five percent of its bank robberies were being uh, perpetrated by criminals from outside Alberta with Quebecers in particular being overrepresented and so that's like he took he took stats uh, they came from the provincial government and McLean's at least uh, confirmed them to be correct yeah and he made a remark out of it. Yeah. And it had an effect. And the guy became, I mean, known all over Canada for that, uh, first oh, of all. Yeah. Um, but it's almost, and McLean's makes the point of saying, well, Colby Koch makes the point of saying that it's it's not even that bad to call bank robbers bums. You know, it's like, it's almost the nicest thing you could say there, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it's, I, you kind of get that years later where it's like, I can see that being triggering, perhaps, but I can also yeah. see it being, you know, a frustrated mayor. Yeah. who's trying to figure out what's going on here, right? I mean, there's a... There's well, a, you have a sudden increase of crime and you got the stats. I mean, you know, it's... You know, yeah. The Eastern creeps and bums. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I suppose <laughs> that another politician could come out and say that differently. And, um, well, but yeah, but, you know, but that was Ralph, that though. Style. You know, now everyone's becoming almost too politically correct with some of the premiers and that with how they mm-hmm. speak, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he just... And again, I think that's why he you know all the years he served because he really did say what everyone was thinking right you know whether we were thinking the eastern you know people were creeps and bums but it's just it was his antics yeah they were funny yeah you know? totally yeah, I don't feelings think, yeah uh, <laughs> Quebec or, or Ontario lost a lot of sleep over that comment no I think it was more just a media, po- media yeah. point well and the city was growing so rapidly at that point yeah right Calgary could not keep up to its growth patterns and that right. you had so many people moving because the job opportunities, right? And again, all industries, you know, so it was an insane amount of growth, but then you get a lot of people there and there's not enough housing yet. There's not mm-hmm. enough apartments. Rents were quite crazy. In 1980, I was paying $600 for a one bedroom apartment. Oh yeah. 
Yeah. Mm. So you're paying know? for it somewhere. If it's not at the yeah. grocery and restaurant, then yeah, you're you know the rent just because rent like anywhere the it, you know Is rental it, was a premium. Yeah, there was yeah. A, a supply and demand. And yeah, there was just a shortage. There of was supply. a huge shortage, and you had people um, just coming in the droves, literally. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's actually a point that a lot of Canadians I I, I don't think realize is. A lot of people who live in Alberta now, but they don't have generations of grandparents buried in Alberta. Yeah, a lot of people came from, like you said, Saskatchewan, some of the Maritimes, yeah. settled there and haven't left there. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, lots. Most of it, most of Alberta, Calgary originally, I would say was probably half, half of it was from somewhere else. Mm. Completely. Yeah. I wonder what that status like now. It's well, now because of course you know you know if I would have stayed and had children, mm-hmm. all my children are like are Calgarians, right? Stat, you know yeah. what I mean. So then it changes all of it. But that right. original in there, it really was uh, pretty much. If you met a true Calgarian, it was it was rare. It was rare, and you probably everyone met was from somewhere. And yeah, that, you know, it's like from some part of Canada, or or of course because oil and gas, and that definitely a lot of people coming up from the U.S. that were working with you know, the companies that were in both countries, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you had a very diverse population of languages, of ethnic groups, and uh, yeah age as well mind you calgary was always known for having for the longest time it was a, an extremely young population where the average age was only 34 so that's that's why it was such a party city so you have all of these people that are in their 30s that are lawyers and geophysicists and and service and everything and have money so and going out wasn't outrageous so it made for a phenomenal uh nightlife yeah uh, and uh yeah anything you needed from a city right well what was chinatown like then it must have been just Uh, growing then it was just growing it was pretty small and it's never really even today it's not huge by any means and that there's you know maybe i think it's two or three block section that's Mm. all it is it's not a chinatown like other cities at all I think it's it's I think it's three times the size of Winnipeg's Chinatown. Oh. So in my perspective, it's, it's huge. Chinatown. I had my first dim sum there, and uh, it was awesome. Um, oh yeah, the the, uh, the restaurants that were there definitely. Yeah, you know. yeah, and it seems like really steeped in history, like the buildings that are that in are Chinatown. there. Yeah. 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 Um, okay, so then Ralph, I guess he leaves office in uh, eighty nine or ninety. And then he does choose a side, and he goes PC. Yeah. And then he runs for premier. Yeah. And so at this point, he's decided no more journalism. He's a politician for for life. And what are some of the things you remember about those years now? Um, The straight shooting. Yeah, okay. And that, which, uh, you know, he always did. He... Uh, like I say, you know, when he ran for uh, the first time with Premier, he literally laid out his platform and he kept his word. Mm-hmm. That. And when he ran for a second term, that was his actual billboard. Right. I kept my promises. Ralph Klein. And that's how he got And he time. second term majority with even more seats. You know, and, <laughs> right. and even though you didn't agree with him, it, it was the fact that he kept his word. Right. How many politicians today do you know that give you a platform and then go in and actually keep the word? Oh, well, this came up. Oh, well, yeah. Ralphie just yeah. said no. Yeah. 
I told you I was blowing this hospital up, but he had actually good reasons, like the Memorial Hospital that got blown up. It was 22 separate buildings that had been all put together over the years, right? And it was in desperate need of work. And I'm sure you had the yeah. courtesy to evacuate it first. Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Seeing as the ridges, uh, I would say there were probably over 300,000 people sitting on the ridges in Calgary for the blow-up. Oh, yeah. And that might self-included yeah. oh yeah, yeah. you know oh it was and yeah. that everyone was there and of course when you're when you're blowing up 22 separate buildings it's it's a fascinating uh, yeah. endeavor shall we say so yeah hundreds of thousands of people lined the ridges because of course with calgary having all the ridges all over you could you could watch the entire implosion yeah it was great so it was like less of a hospital more of like a shanty town <laughs> conglomerate yeah I yeah say that. well let's out there you know like, no no <laughs> oh, it was way too many buildings hodgepodge yeah, together okay. and it was old right? right you know and then he decentralized the holy cross from downtown let's get there let's get there yeah, so no. one one of the things he did and i assume he did this as premier because he couldn't have done it yeah. as uh as uh, mayor is um, privatized liquor sales. Oh yeah, when the liquor, yeah, 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 yeah. And so that was one of his his. I guess he felt like the government shouldn't be involved, and people didn't get enough choices, or how did I? Well, there was a lot around that. Do you remember so, that okay, so you yeah, well, the, uh, X for beer, and then X for beer, or how did that? Like after privatization yeah, yeah, and that, was, right after and that, it was there was just uh, uh, craziness uh, in the manner of uh, there was a liquor store everywhere. Okay. And that, you know, and like anything, self weeds out after a while, right? So right. within a year, X number of reclosed right. and stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, did it make a difference in prices? Yeah, you bet you it dropped down in that. Really? Things he pointed out though, which you know, does it hurt or is it a benefit? Was the fact that a cashier was being paid upwards of twenty dollars an hour plus full benefits, right? So when he privatized, and you know, of course, you know, the new cashiers that are hired by a private company are not being paid twenty dollars an hour with full benefits. Mm-hmm. You know, so on that level, when you look at it, you know, so, you know, did he eliminate some jobs? Well, he eliminated some high-paying jobs for people with no education. Okay. Yes. Okay. You know, that did occur. And that, so, and that was uh, some of his rationale be, uh, behind it as well, right? As, you know, we're paying out all these benefits and all these high wages to people who have no education. Mm. But you're a government worker. Right. And of course, you know, and as you know, with the politics of government and HR, you can't even get rid of bad employees, really. You right. Know, there's, so a, there's a double edged sword. There really is there's, on that one. You tend one. to be paying a living wage. There's some yeah, benefits. You there's know. this and that. But you got to remember, in, uh, when Ralph was in, uh, twenty bucks an hour was way above a, a living wage, isn't oh, it? Yeah, right? Yeah, you know, yeah, like you know, it, uh, yeah. It was you know, so they were very highly paid for their skill for level. You know, so yeah, it created a lot of controversy, you bet, you know, because suddenly you are taking away benefits from people, you know, but then who's paying for all of it because now your government, so really it's the taxpayer that's pitching in. So there's every angle to the story, good or right, good or wrong, I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Like in Ontario, it seems like the overwhelming response is that people like getting their alcohol from a you know, a, a person that looks like a government worker that's well dressed, that's well known, that they're well paid. Well, according to the the one article I read on on Alberta, or rather on Ontario, 
um, making that service public is that it seems like they like um, reducing the seediness to the, to the alcohol uh, yeah, sales. Yeah, like yeah. you would probably get a couple of in the walls that were open till four in the morning that would sell you. Your well, well that was the beauty like, too of, uh, uh, of privatization was yeah. that, uh, of course, seven days a week, right? You didn't have to. So that was the biggest adjustment moving back to Saskatchewan initially was mm. closed on Sunday and closed at six o'clock. Mm. It's like, what? Mm. It's like the first time I went into... It was on First Avenue or Second Avenue, the, not the Senator. There was some other hotel that sold liquor. But I went in at 8 o'clock at night and I saw day prices and night pricing and it was really confusing at first. Yes. And then I asked the guy, it's like, why, why is my beer more expensive after 6 o'clock? And he goes, well, the uh, liquor stores have closed now. So, it so we don't have the competition, after right? Six well, or because now, yeah. So now, you know, so it, yeah, it completely changed, right? So that was funny until, of course, now there's it's liquor stores here. Uh, some are private, some are government, some are whatever, They're right? So, yeah. So now it's both. But yeah, that was the initial great thing about privatization was that it was open seven days a week. Oh, that would work for Ralph Klein oh, and a lot of everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you can run uh, down at ten o'clock on a Sunday night and uh, still get your liquor. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it works for everybody. <laughs> okay, so privatization you know, so, in Alberta, check. Yeah, you know, did it work as far as the coffers go? Because then I, I'm not sure, of course, you know, was it making money for the province? You know, no idea. Right. You know, so that yeah. part, yeah, not sure, you know. Did it hurt them in any way? No, because, of course, the price of oil uh, the per barrel kept going up and up mm -hmm. and up, right? You know, and then of course during some of those booms when it spiked and stuff, there was so much money going into those coffers, right? Mm. I mean, Ralph did restock everything, but he was able to restock all the coffers because it was a boom. And it was uh, a boom, and he made he did cut things. Too. You know, totally. You know, exactly. I heard he cut know. a lot of. Uh, yeah, public service hours, healthcare, yeah. that sort of thing. You know, but a lot of it was jobs, redundant, though. Yeah, right. You okay. know, you'd have way too many people doing the same job, right? You mm. know, so he did do, you know, as much as, yes, there was jobs cut, but were they necessary jobs? Have they been replaced? Mm -hmm. You know, no. The, the Department <laughs> of Redundancy Department? Yes, Got you know, removed. we still have that, right? You know, <laughs> look at the average, you know. You know yeah. Exactly, you know. Could yeah. some cuts happen on maybe some of the upper administrative levels? Uh, you know, our present government simply seemed to cut at the uh, right at the, the service level. You know, uh, nurses are cut, and uh, that frontline worker, shall we say. Mm -hmm. Whereas he wasn't cutting frontline workers as much as he was cutting some of the other areas. Mm -hmm. You know, really interesting. You know, yeah. So, you know, combination. Yeah. He was cutting <laughs> you know? people that didn't make the cuts. <laughs> yeah, right, you know. Um, yeah, too much administration, right? And that's why he, you know, got rid of, you know, a couple of the hospitals as well, right? Too much administration. So he also privatized uh, AGT, the Alberta government yeah. telephones. Yeah. How'd that work for you? Did he bring in another company? Or well, no, then instantly the company instant changed monopoly? to TELUS and other people arrived. Okay, okay, yeah. so, they so were, yeah. it wasn't just you know. an instant monopoly, other people got in nope. there. Yeah, right, right away in that, you know, and, uh, you know, it wasn't until I came up back out here that, you know, you still have just your one SAS pal, right? Yeah. You know, and they, they, Yeah, well, they have know. Bell here now, too, yeah. in, in Saskatchewan. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, yeah. Because when I first got here, well, I I knew I couldn't get a, uh, a telephone number with Bell because I've been with Bell since the the beginning of uh, mm. uh, cell phones. Oh, <laughs> Sad yeah, but okay. true. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and initially I just kept my uh, Alberta number until Bell was allowed into the province. Oh, yeah, that worked. Eh? Oh yeah, what's yeah. an area code, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so he uh, he moved that to private. Uh, he got some more business in there, and then um, he tried to implement a two-tiered system to healthcare. Uh, yeah. And that was something that was met with a bunch of opposition. Huge. Huge opposition, and the idea was, um, the way I understand it, is that if you had enough bucks, you could jump the queue and get your whatever it be, cancer scan, maybe your surgery. Yeah. Uh, before yeah. other people who Well, there was such a backlog, right? right? You know, so it was in his way, it was his way of trying to okay. relieve some backlog on healthcare. Without expanding everything. Right. Because as we all know, the machines cost a lot of money and stuff. Mm-hmm. So uh, have a private company suddenly build, you know, the ones that have the millions of dollars. Because literally, Alberta, and Calgary, millionaires just everywhere. Yeah. Right, because of the excess money, mm-hmm. that you know, so it's like, well, there's one way of alleviating it without costing any money, right? Is having semi two tier healthcare system where, yeah, you're rich, so well, just go pay for it, and then now it opens up a whole lot more in the queue for the general mm-hmm. public. So you what's know? happening there is rather than it being a tax burden for people of Alberta, you're getting outside money infused into the system. And they're paying for a service right. themselves. Yeah. And wow. it's not like they're using the MRI machines that uh, the regular taxpayer was using. Mm-hmm. And that. so good and bad, right? Mm-hmm. It, it does create a bit of a two-tier. But, I mean, that system's still working right now. And I know a lot of people from Saskatchewan who will quite willingly drive up to Edmonton or Calgary and have their MRI done tomorrow. And that's so, mm-hmm. you know, good or bad, people are using it. Right. That, yeah, you know, so, but yeah, it met a huge opposition because uh, people just thought that, uh, well, they're getting their service faster. Yeah. And it's like, well, yes, but then so are you. Because technically they're all coming out of the queue now, so mm-hmm. now the queue is shorter. Yeah, I was nowhere here and there on that one, and that it's not like I could afford to go and have my own MRI done. So yeah. <laughs> I wasn't one of the millionaires. <laughs> I mean, it's in the public system, I guess. Yeah. Exactly right, yeah. you know. So you know, and I didn't need to use the healthcare system, so I don't know if it really did have a, a major effect or not myself. In yeah, that, yeah. In, you know, in receiving healthcare. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean. You know, it's about I've, I've had such a weird I've got such mixed reviews on it I, I'm really glad that we have free, free health care but I have sat in uh, you know I, uh, <laughs> I've sat in a waiting room with my brother in insane intense pain and he got triaged like kind of the midway point and we waited for like an hour and a half and yeah. I thought it just doesn't seem it seems like he's in more pain but I mean I'm not in the medical community at all what he happened was he dislocated his shoulder mm. and we were really far from the hospital and yeah. we, we kind of tried to put it back in <laughs> it was a huge mistake and then we were like okay now we need to drive to the hospital and when we got there we were like you should have totally called an ambulance he could have had like sedatives or whatever on the way like he wouldn't need to be in this pain right now so I also felt like maybe they were 
semi-punishing yeah. us for being stupid. But yeah, uh, yeah but it was you like, called the ambulance, and then you would have gotten the bill for the ambulance afterwards. Yeah, too. yeah. <laughs> it was also like a matter of we were working on a roof somewhere for someone, and it was a little hard to explain where it was. So yeah. I was like, you know, we could just be adding hours to this, and like at this point, like, so I don't know. It was bad calls all around, but yeah, I definitely had a moment where I thought like. I really wish there was something I could do to alleviate some of this pain. Yeah. Would I have paid 200 bucks to get a shot right then? I might have done that. Yeah. You know if you I had mean? the money in your sure. pocket yeah. and it wasn't yeah. an issue, I could see you it. bet you you like, would look, have. This guy looks like yeah, his dad. I've never seen him in this kind of pain. My yeah. brother. And, uh, and yeah. I was or like, we're, it's you. Sure. And you yeah, can yeah. just, you know, yeah, here's some cash and zip that you're taken care of. You'll do it. There's Any an of us would there. do it. Yeah. I know, right? Uh-oh. You know, is it fair? No, not really, I guess, you know, when you look at it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the triage was like, he's not yeah. going to die. He's in pain. <laughs> um, so he'll have to wait. Yeah. Yeah, he'll have to wait. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. You know, okay. I guess that was a character builder for him, so. Yeah. <laughs> so um, let's ask him <laughs> he, yeah right yeah so he also tried to or not tried to he did he specialized in the hospitals so rather than having like say for example four general hospitals in calgary that all did a little bit of something yeah he now had a cardiovascular hospital yeah. he now had the oncology the, the maternity you know, yeah. hospital yeah okay yeah so you're going to one for what you know and it just kept everything such so you keep all of your professionals together yeah. Right, as opposed to spreading everyone all over the place. You know, initially, was it met with controversy? Oh, yeah. You know, because mm-hmm. I think generally people just don't like change, period. Right. Whether it works for them in the end or not, you know, it's that initial, you know, no, don't do, like, we're so content with the way it is. You know, but it appears to have worked because they have not changed it back. Right. Right, you know, so now you have the hospitals where you go to certain ones for very specific things, and that's mm-hmm. where you find your doctor. Yeah. And over the last 10 years, Manitoba's done the same thing. Right. And it seems to, like, it, reportedly it's working. So. Right. You know, so, you know, like any anything that's implemented, uh, no matter what it is, there's a, it's always met with controversy and people yeah. who don't want change. Mm-hmm. You know, that I definitely noticed uh, initially coming back to Saskatchewan and that people here, everything was the same for so many years. And then all of a sudden, when the last big crash took place for most of the country, suddenly Saskatchewan started to grow a bit and mm-hmm. it started to change, you know, and people don't like change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But everyone's getting used to it now as well here, right? Suddenly Saskatoon is, is it's bustly. It's got an energy. The downtown is growing. Yeah. Just like Don Atchison, the mayor, when I got here, he met with so much controversy because he began a plan to change over Riversdale and to actually incorporate it into downtown. Mm-hmm. You know, and of course, everyone in the city is like, well, no, just don't worry about downtown or the west side. Just focus on the east side of the city. You know, but it actually took someone like Don to say no, and he created a plan, and uh, that's why I'm in Riversdale, is solely yeah. because of Don Atchison, and that he had a plan, he had begun implementing it, even though everyone was against him. You know, and now how many people, you know, will come down and go, wow, downtown area is has great. attracted young working professionals. <laughs> exactly. There's children, young uh, families. So everyone listening, we're you know, in Riversdale right yeah. now in my condo here recording this, uh, this yeah. uh, podcast. You have, you know, a primal restaurant with the homemade pastas and the homemade breads. Oh, uh, totally. Right? You have all these amazing places. When I arrived and that, there was Mandarin. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, 
uh, Key Sum Bakery, and uh, there's a spot the hollows uh, across the, which is like I've never seen anything like that. Amazing, and, right? Uh, to keep all the same plates and everything from uh, the Asian, and and now turn it into a, a vegetarian place. Well, they do their cocktails right too. I had a friend who's in, who's a bartender, and he appreciates things done right, and he yeah. asked if they shake or stir their martinis. And he's like, stir it only, like you don't shake it. And then Tyra told me why. I guess it breaks off chips of ice and then they quickly oh, turn the water or whatever. Yeah, Anyways, yeah, yeah. It was like, he's like, it passes. I was, he's like, this is really good spot. <laughs> you know, but change. And that's what Ralph really did in his entire, uh, uh, you know, reign as King Ralph, shall we say. Yeah. It's, it was change. But Calgary just kept growing. And uh, to, I say, when I moved, it was uh, half a million. When I moved to Calgary, when I left, it was 1.1. And that's a, a roughly 30 years span? Yeah, roughly 30 years span, 30, 1. 32 1. years. Yeah. yeah. Like it was just constantly growing, constant. Mm -hmm. There were two seasons in Calgary construction in winter, <laughs> and that's it. Mm -hmm. They're constant. But the construction in the summer took place 24 7. There yeah. was no shutdown at 5 p.m. There may have been a changeover of staff at 5 p.m., but they built fast. And that I watched a road right below me, 9th Avenue. It's a one-way running through downtown that goes by the Tower and the Palliser Hotel, six lanes. Friday evening, they shut the road at 6 p.m., completely tore the road out, six lanes for about 100 feet, suctioned out all the dirt, did repairs, and that road was reopened and paved for Monday morning rush hour. Wow. Oh, yeah. That's like China and that, style. My Saturday at work was hell <laughs> because I was second floor and the suction trucks were already working when I arrived at work at 8 a.m. and they were still <laughs> sucking the dirt out at 5 p.m. when I left. The yeah. whole day, it, we couldn't even talk to our clients. It was just... It's like, what do you do? I went home and drank. <laughs> it's like, but yet again, you know, Monday morning, beautiful, paved, and all completely yeah. covered over. You know, so they worked. And that, you know, so, you know, that, that's what that city sees is simply progress, 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 growth, growth, growth. Yeah. That's a perfect segue. Um, so, well, well, <clears throat> Ralph Klein's now the premier, and he's making all sorts of changes like this. And you got, you've opened up a barbershop now, right? Yeah, well, a hair salon. A hair salon. And yeah. it's above a restaurant. Uh, no, I was uh, across the street from, yes, street. Uh, okay. watching, yes, the debauchery of the... Uh... <laughs> so tell me about, kind of put, put us in that setting. Um, so, like oil's booming, it's at whatever it is, yes. between $80 and $112 a barrel in these five years now. Yes. And everybody's at the restaurant and you're... It, well, every, it's always just, always it's, yeah. oh yeah, chair was always full, weeks and weeks in advance and that, uh, and, I mean, myself, I went uh, after uh, oil and gas women as my clientele, mm -hmm. right, so as I put myself, uh, I was literally across from Encana, and that, so it was a tower with 15,000 people, okay. and that, so I would say about 50, 60% of my clients came out of that tower. Okay. So, yeah, I was downtown. All my clients came out of Towers from downtown and that. But watching, like, it was a restaurant. I'm not sure if it's still there. 
Rush. Rush, okay. Absolutely. Uh, uh, I mean, exquisite food. The interior was ple- curved plexiglass, floor to ceiling and between the booths oh, with wow. the padded fabric walls. And I mean, extreme, extreme high end in that. But all of these people had expense accounts, especially your team leads or your management team, however you want to call them in that. So every day, every restaurant downtown Calgary was packed to the rafters and everyone's shopping on the company let's be realistic and that so you know it was easy for a a typical business person to drop anywhere between 150 and 200 dollars on a lunch Mm -hmm. because with your drinks and and of course you know you're eating in restaurants that are outrageously priced a few times a week i imagine oh i know lots that were five days a week it wasn't a few you know they were having meetings at lunchtime right Mm -hmm. You know, and of course, this was in the day where the entire lunch got written off, including your alcoholic beverages. That's also what Klein is known for as well, and that is the cut of the alcoholic beverage at lunch hour. And that, because one day uh, reporters got him, of course, after lunch hour, and they asked him, and that's a Ralph, you know, did you have a couple of drinks at lunch? And he goes, of course I had a couple of drinks at lunch. He goes, you find me one person down here who didn't have a few drinks at lunch. You know, like I say, you always said what you shouldn't say on that. And it wasn't long after that the corporate world developed really strict policies on liquor at lunch to the point where even if you come back and there's a smell of liquor on your breath, it could mean immediate dismissal. Okay. And that, and of course, expense accounts no longer covered liquor of any kind. Mm. So was that policy or was that more just like all the corporate world checking itself? Yeah, I guess all the corporate world checking itself, right? Because now that Ralphie, you know, kind of, you know, dropped the bag. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, yeah, we're all going back drunk at one o'clock. What? What? (laughs) Come on. (laughs) At the time he was premier. (laughs) Yeah, even worse. But, you know, so yeah, that's when he did change the corporate world. But but also what changes the corporate world, of course, is the busts. You know, so, of course, uh, I've been through several up there in that. Um, and, yeah, those restaurants literally the next day after a bust are empty. There's nobody sitting there. There's no one using an expense account at that moment either. So you and go that, from a restaurant being, what would you say it holds, 300 people or 100 people? or Yeah, anywhere from 1 to 300, one to depending 300, on, to nobody. To nobody the next yeah. day. Full, every single lunch hour, every single supper. Always, always packed. Right. And that, yeah, for like several years to nobody at all. Wow. And right now, I mean, last time I was in downtown Calgary uh, in uh, September, we went to a place along the river that normally two to three weeks to get a reservation at a lunchtime, there were four tables. So again, recession, right? It really mm-hmm. shows how instantly the corporate world cuts spending on, you know, the frivolous. Yeah. And that, you know, even uh, one of the last bus just as I was leaving Calgary, uh, and Canada went from having uh, a two-night uh, Christmas party that had live telecasting between Fort Mac and Dallas, with it being mainly held in Calgary, free taxis for all their staff. There were so many people that they had to do it on two nights, too. Well, you can have a bonus or a Christmas party. Because there was a bonus on top of that Christmas party right. as well. I mean, it was totally lavish. Mm-hmm. And that millions of dollars spent you know, to boom, you know, to bust, done, you know, and now it's just done, 
there has been no return since that last bust of, at all, and that with their economy. So you then know, the so, chair's empty too, I assume. Uh, or, or well, during know? the bust, so it depends on how you want to Like for myself and that, uh, I was really well established. So the only thing that occurred was that I wasn't booked as far in advance gotcha. as I was before. So yeah. anyone who is established within my profession really mm -hmm. felt absolutely nothing because to be quite blunt in that, women will find money for their hair. Yeah. Oh yes, oh yes, I, you, yeah. they're not leaving their roots go, they're not <laughs> leaving their ends get frizzy. <laughs> they'll give up food <laughs> before yeah. they'll give right. up roots. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So, <laughs> they just may Maybe instead of going every five to six weeks, I'll stretch that to eight. <laughs> yes, I'll just back home. So you were somewhat more. insulated. <laughs> Thankfully, yes, I was. There. Yes, yeah. <laughs> certain industries were isolated from. You know, they may give up the fake eyelashes, they may give up the fake nails, but they yeah. they just don't give up the the hair color and the cuts. And, and so that's, that's why. That's why. I mean, for people who grew up outside of Alberta, that's why there is such an affinity and such a love for oil and gas in Alberta, is because a lot of people remember what it was like during those years. Oh, it was just, it was fun. It yeah, really was, yeah. because everyone was prospering right down to your wait staff, mm -hmm. right? You know, they made insane amount of tips yeah. and that because people were generous because there was lots of money. You could piss it away and then make it back. Right, again. you know, and thus, that's why so many people foreclosed after a bust, right? Yeah. Because, you know, boom, bust, boom, bust, no one seemed to learn, right? And it was just like after Ralphie left everything nice and full and then in came Steady Eddie who didn't have a backbone. And then Alison Redford took over, who everyone thought would be amazing because she had a presence on the world stage as well as a very well-educated woman. But she spent like that oil and gas barrel was going to 300. Mm. You know, so mm -hmm. she was borrowing on next year and the year after, and she cleaned house, uh -huh. right? And thus then when Rachel took over Notley, who did an amazing job with what she got left, right? You know, she she really got an unfair handshake from Albertans. Right. That woman did an amazing job. She stepped away, f I mean, she was always NDP, but when you look at what she did, she stepped away from NDP policy. She still has, she's, she's pro-pipeline. She, you know, she, she did what she could. You know, so, you know, she did get an unfair shake in that, you yeah. know. Yeah, so, and she still is. You know what? Yeah. Um, she's been super resilient, though. I really respect yeah. her. I hope she's an amazing her. woman. It was like day. Christina Silverberg, who was uh, police chief during the uh, G8. An amazing woman. Mm -hmm. And that, uh, who, police chief for four years, and when she finished her four-year term, she still looked as good as she did when she started. Most police chiefs after four years look tired and worn out, but she, she was also known for not micromanaging. Mm. And that she actually allowed the people she had in positions yeah. do their job. Oh, what a nice concept. And that, yeah, you know, so it was really sad when she quit and that everyone wanted her to come back. Oh, and right. it's sort of like, you know, Ralphie too, he didn't interfere in everyone's jobs. He just, you know, but when he did interfere, yeah. <laughs> you, know? Yeah. you know, yeah, but it was just, yeah. yeah.
Well, actually, one of those things that Ralph did, and now this is public knowledge, and so, I mean, I, I, again, I, me growing up in Manitoba, I didn't really know about Ralph yeah. Klein that much. I mean, I'd heard the name, but when, I, when you had talked a bit about him, I thought, okay, this, is, uh, this figure is amazing. How have I missed this? Um, but he, had, he did have moments that made him repulsive in some people's eyes, right? Oh, yeah. And one, one that sticks out to me is him coming back hammered from a, a police gala or something like that, like a, a city mm-hmm. event, a police ball, or, and uh, kind of stumbling into the homeless shelter. I didn't stumble in. This okay. scenario, I feel that? his driver should be fired. Okay. So, yes, okay. it explain probably was here. a police gala and that, but yes, at the end of the evening at one in the morning, Ralph, in his usual stupor, yeah. okay. gets in his car and tells his driver to take him to the homeless shelter. And yes, Ralph walks into the homeless shelter and tells all the bums to get a job. Which, yes, a lot of people took a lot of offense to. But, you know, again, it's one of those things that, you know, a lot of... A lot of people thought that as well, though, you know, because you could also see beggars in downtown that are using the homeless shelter and that when you look down and you look at the sneakers on their feet and that, it's like, you know, I'm a shoe guy. I know Mm. how much those are worth and that. Mm. That's not, you know, yeah, you know, so are there people that definitely need the shelters and stuff? Oh, yes, most definitely and stuff. Are there lots that could have gone and gotten a job? Ah, yeah, Mm -hmm. you know, but they chose to come to Alberta and basically beg. Right, you know, so right. it did piss a lot of people off. A lot of times, myself too, walking through downtown Calgary, and that it's like you're kidding me, right? You know, like you got two hundred dollars sneakers on, and I see the, the cell phone outline in your pocket, and you you're could, begging me for money, yeah. and you're staying over there at that shelter. You could easily sweep a shop floor, right? You know, yeah. But then it became that attitude of uh, you know the jobs beneath me. Oh, right, for yeah. a lot of people. Yeah, you know, so, you know, yeah. so right or wrong, but that was Ralph, right? It's also yeah. like when the uh, the mad cow thing was taking place and that, which is also public knowledge that he said any good farmer would have taken it out back, shot it and shut up. Mm. Yeah, and of course. Like a national scandal. Really. Right, you mm-hmm. know, and does that happen? Oh, yeah, totally it does. Yeah. There is absolutely no doubt. Yeah. And that, right? You know, and you so, see how that statement alone does both to you know uh, attract people to his base and to right to you know because it's like yeah you're saying what yeah. everyone's thinking yeah should you have said that no probably not because you're supposed to be in a power of uh, right. you know you're you're in a position that's supposed to be more respectful of everyone regardless and that but he's saying what everyone thinks yeah. right you know yeah. And, yeah and yeah that was his antics until he sobered up and then Ralph got boring, and because uh, he did sober up. When did he sober up? I can't, it was towards the end of his his political career, and I think it had something to do with the onset of uh, it was a dementia, and that that in the end he had a problem with. But yeah, all of a sudden he sobered up, and Ralph became very boring. There mm. were no more antics. There was mm. no more, uh, like he wasn't the jovial, smiley, happy guy that was there before mm. and that you know sad but liquor made him quite uh, uh entertaining there were points after he quit it's like no ralph go have a beer you're better with <laughs> you're better with some liquor it's funny and, uh, um yeah 
Yeah, I mean, maybe his family would disagree. Who knows? His family might have really... Well, probably, well, yeah, because he was yeah. probably home. Yeah. Right? He wasn't yeah. leaving at one o'clock. Yeah. A gal is drunk and right. going to sure. homeless shelters, right? showing up in the newspaper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 But, but he did take a pie in the face at one stampede, and, and he didn't charge the guy or anything either. Uh, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was pretty quick. He was slick. He just slipped right in there while Ralphie was uh, flipping uh, flapjacks and right in the face, and off the dude went. And they got the guy because of course it's, it's pretty packed Ralph was yeah. flipping you know you know but he he did not press charges or anything against the guy and huh. yeah yeah but he did take a pie in the face not yeah. bad you know yeah no um so one other thing he infamously did was he issued these Ralph bucks yeah which was was that as as mayor or as premier? Oh, as premier. That was the, that was like the latter stages of everything. So that was provincial sales tax and money. That, they, they just well, got, see, he had collected. Or, he had refilled the coffers to overflowing. So he decided to give back to the taxpayer who actually helped fill the coffers. So he had a three billion dollar deficit, and then he, yeah. he he made four billion. So he had like roughly a billion extra. Yeah, back. one point five, I think, or it was something. that he okay. gave away. Okay. But see, he also had refilled the heritage fund and stuff in Calgary which was empty and stuff like that there was other funds that were all that were supposed to be for emergencies that the Getty government and everything had already emptied and stuff right mm. so he filled, refilled a lot of coffers and that he got a lot of slack from the corporate world about wanting to give everyone $400 and that because it was anyone yeah. over the age of 16 that wasn't in jail right so yeah. we all got a check for $400 but I don't know anyone who kept the money we all oh, spent yeah. the money. So you suddenly had a surge yeah. of $1.5 billion back into, into your economy. Amazing. Uh, you know, because you know what? If we had gone to corporations, it probably would have got issued in the forms of bonuses. Exactly. And, and went, you know, offshores or into boats or into Yes. Whatever. But in this case... He gave it, it to everybody, regardless right. of what position you held or what you did for a living. You were <laughs> over the age of 16 and you weren't in jail. You got your check. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It was insane. So do you remember what you spent your Oh, yeah, shoes. Oh, shoes? Okay. <laughs> yeah, <Okay>. Two pair. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, good sale like Gravity Pope. <laughs> oh yeah, everybody, but nobody kept their money. Everyone spent it, right? Yeah, Restaurants, you know, every like food, clothes, whatever. And then, of course, think about it though. And now, with your underprivileged, yeah. you have a family unit where mom and dad just got eight hundred bucks injected mm. into, you know. So a lot of people forget about that part as well, right? You know that they're still underprivileged regardless of a boom or a bust or stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so that segment of the population as well, right? Did, did Suddenly, really well everyone got 400 bucks. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, so it was wicked, you know? I remember being, like, jealous of living right? in that film. I was like, what the hell? Well, that was Lloyd Minister, right? Because they're a border town. So the Saskatchewan side felt they should be getting 400 oh, yeah. bucks, right? <laughs> and it's like, no, you live on the wrong side of the tracks. <laughs> there was, yes, there was controversy over that because, yes, the Saskatchewan residents in that town felt they deserved the money too but it's like mm, no yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah they didn't get it wow. <laughs> right so was that like preceding an election or something or was that just uh, um, you know, I think it was almost just the end of his terms yeah it okay. was just Ralph going everything's full 
Yeah. You know, I did what I said, you know, and which is what he said right from the onset, that he would replenish things, yeah. you know, because right after he became premiers, when they brought in that national energy program, right, which was revenue sharing, you know, so right from there, you know, suddenly, you know, the revenues out Alberta was keeping prior to that had changed, because now a percentage now had to go to that federal government, right? So, you know, he, I think he, overall, he did a great job. Did yeah. He, did he make everyone happy? Hell no. But I think he made everyone happy at different points. Yeah. If that makes sense, you know, he did appease the corporate world at times, and he did appease everyone at the other portion of the population as well, as well as pissed both of them off. That at was Ralph. Times. Yeah. You know, he was just yeah, King Ralph. <laughs> well, Michael, that's been fascinating deep dive for me. I really appreciate it. Um, mm-hmm. Is there anything else you want to say about Ralph before, uh, um, before we close it here? Well, you know, just a, a great guy, and it would be great to actually see some politicians that maybe use some of his antics, but maybe not quite as far as Trump. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Now, I, I remember when I asked you to do this, uh, you said to me, oh, yeah, because you know I love Ralphie. Yeah, And I thought, totally. that kind of sums it up. <laughs> I do. At all, I'd say, no, did he, he appease you. me 100% of the time? Of course not. Right, right. You know, but I do feel that he was definitely more than half of the time what he did made sense Mm -hmm. and that and the other stuff well like anyone else you know you just forget about it yeah (laughs) Yeah. well thanks again and thanks everyone for this one